You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere. Online, in store, on social media, and beyond. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's POS Go mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash crimes, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash crimes to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash crimes. Good morning, and thanks for joining me for Rising Crime, your morning caffeine hit all about crime. I'm Mama Jules, and you all know what I'm coming at you with right off the bat on this Monday. An arrest has been made in the infamous Long Island serial killer case, but charges have been filed for only three of the deaths, and far more deaths have been assigned to the Long Island serial killer, and it looks like the assumption that some people had made that the same man killed a dozen people whose bodies were found along the beaches of Long Island just might not be accurate. Well, on Thursday, 59-year-old architect Rex Heuerman was arrested in downtown Manhattan near his office, and he was charged with the deaths of three women whose cold cases have remained unsolved for over a decade. According to court documents, he has been charged with the deaths of Melissa Bartholomew, Megan Waterman, and Amber Costello. Heuerman is the main suspect in, but has not yet been charged with the murder of Maureen Brainerd Barnes. All of this is according to the district attorney's office. Now, Heuerman's lawyer has entered a not guilty plea on behalf of his clients. Okay, let's back up and learn about these three women and how their cold cases and one other murder victim were deemed the Gilgo Beach Four and how they have been linked to several other murders in Long Island. In 2010, a 24-year-old sex worker named Shannon Gilbert fled a client's house on foot after making a 911 call in the seafront community of Oak Beach. That's near Gilgo Beach. Now, after pounding on the door of a neighboring home, Shannon disappeared into the marsh, and the subsequent search for her body exposed a much larger mystery when four women were found wrapped in burlap sacks along Gilgo Beach. See, it was months after Shannon's disappearance when a police officer and a cadaver dog were looking for her body in the thicket along the beach when they happened upon the remains of 24-year-old Melissa Bartholomew. Now, that discovery triggered a more targeted search, and three more women were discovered in the marsh about a quarter of a mile from each other. 
All right. So here's where I ask myself, do I tell you about the four women first or do I tell you about the dogged way the police track down Hewerman? Because I always want us to respectfully remember the victims of these crimes. So this is how I'm going to do it. Let's cover the how did they find him? And then I will tell you a little bit more about the Gilgo Four. Now in January of 2022, a special investigative team made up of local law enforcement, state police, and the FBI was launched to specifically focus on the Long Island serial killer. So what led them to Hewerman? Well, within just a couple of months of the comprehensive review of the previously obtained evidence, investigators learned that Hewerman owned a first-generation green Chevrolet Avalanche. Now, this was significant because a witness had identified that as the car believed to have been driven by Amber Costello's killer. Now, this discovery and some suspicious behavior by Hewerman kicked off the deep dive into him being a possible suspect. And that dive included more than 300 subpoenas, search warrants, and other legal means of obtaining evidence. See, law enforcement already knew that burner phones had been used to contact the four women to hire them for sexual work. They had these burner phone records, and those records showed that the calls made to three of the four women were placed in the cell phone vicinity of Ewerman's phone. Now, these cell phones were also tracked from Massapequa Park to Midtown Manhattan and back. Okay, remember, Ewerman worked in Midtown Manhattan, and he lived in Massapequa Park. And these burner phones didn't contact the four sex workers just once to schedule the meetups. According to court documents, multiple texts were exchanged over multiple days, and the investigators tracked all of those interactions, linking them to Ewerman and his cell phone activities and locations. Police also had evidence of the phone calls made to Melissa Bartholomew's sister. This happened after Melissa had vanished. So here's how that all went down. Melissa had been reported missing in July of 2009. And then shortly after, her phone was used to call her sister and taunt her about Melissa. And the mail caller was saying things about how he had sexually assaulted and killed Melissa. So what a monstrous thing to do. And now these calls came from the Port Authority bus station on 8th Avenue and also near Penn Station. Both of those are in Midtown Manhattan. Now, back when Melissa disappeared and these phone calls happened, police quickly descended on the area. But if you've ever been to Penn Station, you know the amount of pedestrian traffic. It's pretty immense, and police weren't able to develop any leads. And there is more cell phone evidence. On the day that Megan Waterman disappeared, her phone traveled to Massapequa Park to meet up with a client at 3.11 in the morning. She was never heard or seen again. And there's even more circumstantial evidence with the cell phones, except this time it concerns Hewerman's wife. Now, see, her cell phone was also tracked by the investigators. And during the deaths of the three women, Hewerman's wife was conveniently out of the country or in a different state. So what's that old saying? While the cat's away, the mouse will play. It seems investigators are possibly making that assertion about Hewerman and when his wife would leave. It also ties to some evidence that we're going to talk about here in just a minute. But hold on, we've got more. Police also used Hewerman's American Express card transactions to link him to the vicinities of the disappearances. So remember how I described the investigators' work as dogged? Well, 
if the little bit I've told you wasn't enough, they also continued to track Huerman's online activity. His American Express purchases and his cell phone burner accounts, all of that tracking, that happened well after the timelines that are adjacent to the murders of the Gilgo Four. So their investigation uncovered that Ewerman has continued to solicit services from sex worker sites and massage parlors. And he kept trolling the same locations, Midtown Manhattan and near his home in Massapequa Park. Now, email accounts linked to Yorman also searched sadistic torture-related pornography sites and child pornography sites. The court documents cite 30 search terms used by Hewerman were included in court documents, but most of them I won't say on this podcast because they're too graphic. But when searching for child porn, Hewerman describes what kind of porn he wants by how the child looks, like the age or the hair color. And then he also adds descriptors about their emotions, like crying child or begging child. And then he identifies and searches the acts that he would like to perform. And then the court documents also show 24 different search terms made over 200 times that could possibly be tracking the murders of the Gilgo Four. So phrases like, why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? And cops launch Gilgo Beach Homicide Investigation Task Force. There were also additional searches that included the victims' names, their families' names, and maps of the locations of the bodies. Now, Huerman also searched podcasts and documentaries on the murder victims. And Huerman wasn't careful with his solicitation requests for sex. He includes selfies that are clearly him, even though he is using fictitious names. Okay, now there's even more cell phone and online evidence that I haven't mentioned, but let's get into the DNA in this case. Now, during the examination of Megan Waterman, after the discovery of her body, two female hairs were found in the white tape near her head, as well as a male hair that was recovered attached to the burlap that surrounded Megan Waterman. Now, a female hair was also recovered attached to tape that bound Amber Costello. Now, remember those hairs, and let's go to this. In July of 2022, investigators had been watching Huerman and his wife. On different occasions, bottles were collected from trash receptacles that Huerman had thrown away. And a crust from a pizza box was also collected that had been tossed by Huerman in Midtown Manhattan a few months later. Now, investigators believe the DNA evidence shows that the three female hairs are a near match to those of Huerman's wife and that the male hair is a match to Huerman. All right. Huerman's attorney, Michael Brown, says the case is, quote, extremely circumstantial in nature. He also said that his client spoke to him and while talking through tears, he said, I didn't do this. And remember that part where I said, while the cat's way, the mouse will play. Well, I think cops are also trying to take this DNA evidence and show that there's no way his wife was there at the crime scene, but he must have had his wife's hair on his body And so that's why it's at the crime scene. And it's important to realize who the actual murderer is, according to police. Okay. Now let's get to the Gilgo Four and also to Shannon, whose 911 call led to this discovery of these bodies. And you're going to see that these women were very petite. And my assessment of this targeted size by the killer is that the marshy areas where the bodies were found 
is not easy terrain to navigate. We're not looking at a place like Clearwater Beach, Florida. This beach is rocky. It has branches and wetlands. But these small women could be carried by someone the size of Huerman, who is estimated at six feet, four inches tall. Now, I'm five feet almost four inches tall. And when I, when I was in college, I had a six foot, 10 inch guy pick me up by my shoulders and move me out of the way. Now he wasn't being violent. There wasn't anything like that, but it wasn't difficult for him to do that. And I remember thinking at that time, how little control I had because I was so outsized. Now these women, they were outsized by their alleged killer as well. Okay, let's remember them. 25-year-old Marine Brainerd Barnes was 4 feet 11 inches tall and was living in Norwich, Connecticut. On July 6th of 2007, investigators believe she took an Amtrak train from New London, Connecticut to Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan. Now, while she was in Manhattan, she was staying at the Super 8 Motel and she was working as a sex worker and she used to advertise on Craigslist, Backpage, and other websites that were similar to those. Now, she was known to advertise under the names Juliana or Marie, and her routine was to travel to Manhattan for a few days to work as an escort and then return home to Connecticut. And on occasion, Marine would travel with another female who worked out of a different room, but at the same location. And they both may have used a male friend, who they would refer to as their cousin, to accompany them and offer kind of a level of safety and protection Now, Maureen traveled with her female friend the weekend she went missing. However, her friend returned home early and Maureen stayed behind. And she was last heard from on July 9th at 11.43 p.m. when she called a friend in Connecticut. Now, although she was known to work out of motel rooms, on that night, on July 9th, she told her friend she would be going to meet someone outside of the motel on an out call. Five days later, a friend reported Maureen as missing. The NYPD assisted the Norwich Police Department in the missing person investigation, and they eventually just took the investigation over. Maureen was found on December 13, 2010, on the north side of Ocean Parkway, right there near Gilgo Beach, and she was found during the initial search for Shannon Gilbert. Now, she is believed to be the first victim in what is known as the Gilgo Four, and she is the victim that Huerman has not been charged with her murder, but it is the investigative team's lead suspect. All right, to our next victim, 24-year-old Melissa Bartholomew. She was last seen at her residence, a basement apartment in the Bronx on July 12th of 2009. Now, she was four feet, 10 inches tall, and Melissa was a sex worker who advertised on Adult Friend Finder, as well as other sites. And she used the aliases Chloe and Very Sexy Chloe. She was also known to meet clients at bars, restaurants, and hotels on the west side of Manhattan. Now, on July 12, 2009, that's the night she was last seen. Melissa told a friend she was going to see a man and would be back in the morning. Now, the friend was totally aware that Melissa was a sex worker, but Melissa didn't offer any other details. Her cell phone records show she traveled from the Bronx to Manhattan, most likely via taxi. Now, Melissa's mother, she had not heard from her or been able to contact her for a few days, so she reported her missing to the NYPD on July 18th, and the investigation showed cell phone activity in Manhattan 
in Freeport and in Massapequa and Lindenhurst. Motels in and near these neighborhoods were investigated. Uh, Melissa is the victim whose family was taunted by the alleged killer. Now, on December 11, 2010, Melissa's body was found on the north side of Ocean Parkway, again near Gilgo Beach, and again during the search for Shannon Gilbert. Although she was the first victim found, she is believed to be the second of the Gilgo Four to be killed. All right, let's turn to Megan Waterman. She was 22 years old when she was last seen on June 6, 2010. So I'm just going to catch you up. The first one was 2007. Second one was 2009. Now we're in 2010 on June 6th. Now, Megan was a resident of Scarborough, Maine, and was a sex worker and advertised on Craigslist and Backpage. And she used the names Lexi and Sexy Lexi. She was last seen by her family boarding a New York-bound Concord Trailways bus in Maine, possibly with her trafficker. Now, Megan was staying at the Holiday Inn Express and was known to stay at other hotels and motels on Long Island. She left the Holiday Inn Express at 1.30 a.m. on that June 6th to meet a client. Now, Megan had called her trafficker, who was in Brooklyn at the time, to tell him she was going to a convenience store near the hotel. Now, Megan was reported missing two days later. Family members felt it was unlike her to not call them to check in and check in on her then three-year-old daughter. The Scarborough, Maine Police Department contacted the Suffolk County Police to assist in the missing person investigation. And then Megan's body was found on December 13, 2010. She is believed to be the third victim in what is known as the Gilgo Four. There is a small bit of good news. Megan's trafficker, the guy that was traveling with her and then bolted and went to Brooklyn, well, he was arrested on federal charges of interstate trafficking on April 11th of 2012 and was sentenced to three years in federal prison in January of 2013. Lastly, Amber Lynn Costello was 27 years old, and she lived in West Babylon when she was last seen by acquaintances. Amber was 4 feet 11 inches tall and was a sex worker who advertised on Craigslist and Backpage. Amber used the names Carolina or Mia, and she had moved to New York from Clearwater, Florida, and had completed a 28-day drug rehab. She was really working on getting her life back on a good track. But she had relapsed not long before her disappearance. See, Amber had roommates, and her roommates shared a cell phone with her. And two male roommates would schedule her and her female roommates' service calls. Yeah, they had worked this system really well for themselves, huh? Costello did, quote, in-calls at home as well as out-calls at other locations. Now, when Amber would meet clients at her home, the two male roommates would often arrange a scam. Um, and how this worked is once a client had paid the money, but before any sex acts had occurred, they would confront the client. So the two male roommates would confront the client saying Amber was their girlfriend. And then usually the client would flee and they would get to keep the money that was left there. Okay, this is actually what happened on the day that Huerman was seen leaving in his green Chevy truck. Now, Amber was last seen leaving her residence on foot on September 2nd, 2010, to meet a client who was picking her up at her house, and Amber did not have her cell phone with her at that time, and she was tragically never reported missing. 
Amber was found on December 13, 2010, on the north side of Ocean Parkway, near Gilgo Beach. She is believed to be the fourth victim in what is known as the Gilgo Four. Now, law enforcement have reiterated that family and loved ones were anxious for an arrest in the Gilgo Four murders, and they looked forward to justice being served. All right. Finally, Shannon Gilbert, whose tragic death helped ignite the case of the Gilgo Four. Shannon was also a sex worker who had scheduled a service visit to a wealthy gated community in Oak Beach. Shannon took her driver, Michael, with her, and he was tasked to stay until the services were completed. And at some point in the early morning hours, Shannon became erratic and she called 911. And the entire call lasts 21 minutes. At the beginning of the call, Shannon tells the dispatch operator that they're trying to kill her. And she never really identifies who is trying to kill her. And the the conversation is very halting. Like it starts, it stops. Sometimes she's whispering. She sounds like she's hiding. I. It's very difficult for this dispatcher to kind of follow what Shannon is trying to portray to her. And she also never in the 911 call gives the correct location of the Oak Beach house. Okay, so there's parts where she's silent, but then there's other parts where you can hear her running as she flees the house for help. She does eventually knock on the door of the residence where a gentleman is already awake for the day. So this is a house down the way a little bit. These houses aren't close together, by the way. This is a very wealthy neighborhood. So this is a house that's down the way a little bit. I'm guessing she saw a light on because the man was already awake. She knocks on the door. He answers. He also calls 911, but those two calls, they're not linked together since Shannon had given the wrong location. One hour later, police actually show up at Oak Beach to talk to the man who called 911, but by that time, Shannon has run off into the marshy area. Now, authorities believe she was suffering a medical episode and she died of natural causes in the marsh. Shannon was trying to save money by working as an escort to enroll in college courses. Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison called Shannon a loving daughter, sister, and young woman who should have had her whole life ahead of her. And I like to think that Shannon's death, although tragic, was also a gift to the Gilgo Four and will hopefully lead to justice. Okay, I also wanted to bring you this quick update out of Alabama because this case is pretty baffling and we don't have a lot of answers at the time of this recording. 25-year-old Carlethia Nicole Russell, who goes by Carly, is a nursing student at Jefferson State College and works part-time at the Woodhouse Day Spa. Carly has already obtained a bachelor's degree in psychology from Auburn University of Montgomery and she still lives with her parents in Hoover, Alabama. All right, the day before her disappearance, Carly was in Harpersville handling some official business that required her to interact with the police department there. And they put out this statement regarding that interaction. Here's how it reads. We were honored to spend time with this smart, courteous, and honoring woman. We were so impressed by her poise, good attitude, and her drive to become a nursing student to help others. We were able to tell her how much we thought of her and that she would do well in life. Please join us in a prayer for her safe return. Now it's that last part. That's why I'm bringing you this story about Carly. See, on Thursday night, Carly was out picking up food at Tzatziki's for her and her mother 
when Hoover police actually received a 911 call from Carly. And this was at 9.34 p.m. It is dark out. And Carly told the dispatcher that she was near mile marker 11 when she saw a toddler walking alone on the side of I-459. This is between the flyover to the Galleria and the Highway 150. Now, after alerting 911, Carly stopped to check on the child. And then she also called a family member to report nearly the same details she had told dispatch. And at some point during the call, the family member lost contact with Carly, even though the call remained active. Now, officers were already en route to the location where they found Carly's red Mercedes still running with the door ajar. They also found some of her belongings scattered nearby, like her wig, her hat, and her cell phone. Now, her purse was still in the running car, but they were unable to find Carly or the toddler anywhere in the area. Hoover police also said they received no other phone calls about a wandering toddler. Even though I've watched the video, there was a decent amount of traffic on this freeway at that time. Now, Carly's mother, Talitha, said Carly saw a child appearing to be about three or four. On the phone call to her brother's girlfriend, they heard Carly talking to the toddler, asking the child, are you okay? They never heard the child respond, but they did hear Carly scream. And then all they could hear was the sound of the cars on the interstate. Now, according to Carly's mother, a long haul trucker did call in a tip about seeing a gray car with a tall brown skinned man in khaki shorts leaning over into the car. And she also said police did find tire tracks, but they were not clear enough to determine the make or model of the car. And then late Saturday night, Carly returned to her parents' home where police were notified and she was rushed to the hospital for evaluation. And at the time of this recording, police aren't saying much other than she is alive and with her family. So I've got a couple of takeaways here. I want us to make sure we don't get frustrated until we know more about the story. I also want to highlight as we continue to rally as community members and to be honest, just as kind humans, we can really make a difference and we might possibly made a difference here. We just don't know. We're just going to have to wait and see. And secondly, let's celebrate that Carly is safe and with those who love her. Well, that's your Monday edition of Rise in Crime. And thank you for sending in your case suggestions. I always follow them and do my best to bring them to you. You can also check in with me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Join me again on Thursday for more morning crime news. I'm Mama Jules, and keep safe out there. When your skin feels nourished and glows, you radiate confidence. Osea makes giving your skin a glow up easy with their clean, clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This seaweed-powered duo features two of Osea's best sellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.